1: Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant Black woman magic mind
0: and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us, and we appreciate you. Let's go. We're back. Yes, it has been (laughs) way too long. Yes, it's been a minute. A minute, for real. I can't believe it's May.
1: Like, what happened? I don't know. I think that, that was a longer break than we normally take, was it? It was. Okay. Well, I'm going to blame that on me. There we go. I appreciate God. you taking that responsibility. Just, just because. You know. <laughs> there we go. You know what today is? What is today? Today is my wedding anniversary.
0: What? Oh, my God. Team Manning. What? Team what? Manning for the win. What 19. anniversary is this? 19. 19. Dang.
1: 19. 19 years in the game. Okay. Yep. 19 years in the
0: game. Yep. I feel compelled to do that thing that everybody does when you Witches. like. is. You, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's your secret to a long, healthy marriage? Oh, wow. Let's
1: see. Um, I'm sure that there are some people who would hear 19 and be like, child, Yeah, just get started. <laughs> but early in my marriage, I read this book that talked about controlling what you can control, which is you. Mm. And so I spend a lot of time controlling me and not controlling my husband. If we are frustrated with each, with each other, sometimes I will step away and say, you know, this is probably not a good time for me to have this conversation because I'm gonna say something that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then this idea of my grandmother told me this, actually, may she rest in peace. She told me the night before we got married, she looked at both of us and she said that basically every day when you wake up, you need to be trying to think about how can you make his life a little bit easier today. And how can you make his life a little bit better today, mm-hmm. but that only works if the other person is doing the same for you at the same time. Wow. <laughs> so you can't be worried about them and they worried about themselves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to be kind of both doing this at the same time. So um, wow. it's certainly not a perfect situation, but we tell each other that we are perfectly imperfect and mm-hmm. um, glad to be in the game together. So I yeah. hear that being
0: imperfectly imperfect together with people yeah. that you
1: love. You know, I think a lot of the features of my marriage are features of my close friendships Yes, with women and men and and non-binary people that are my that are my folks. Like you you cannot be in that tight space of mine if you are only looking out for you. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only people who can do that to me are my children. Because <laughs> they stay looking out for themselves. We hope, we hope they grow out of that. Fortunately, they don't listen to this podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, I I feel that very deeply. Those friendships mean everything, even without the romantic piece. And what What everybody who will tell
1: you who has been married for even more than five years is that the romantic piece is such a tiny sliver of it. Like it is it is the tiniest little thread of all of it. You 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 develop a very very close friendship with the person. You have to like each other and respect each other. And I I do have strong romantic feelings for for my husband still, and I'm grateful for that. But that that would definitely would not be enough to keep you together for Mm. twenty for twenty years. You know, it wouldn't. It just isn't. I mean, there's like a lot of people that are walking around who have done things to look attractive, right? And to and to be appealing to you in that way. But the day to day life of marriage is is not sexy at all. It is, hey, um, put those clothes in the dryer. <laughs> Which is what I was told right before Harry left. And we remembered, I was like, hey, you know what? It's our anniversary. He said, you know what, Damn it is. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody got practice? I don't know. Yeah. I love yeah so it. That's sad. Oh, I have a recommendation. Yes, please. I recommend a new book that has come out by Dr. Anthony Chin Kui Jr. Mm. Anthony Kui Jr. is a uh, actually a graduate of Emory Medical School. He was in my very first um, medical student small group. He went on to do uh, otolaryngology and practiced for a while and is now a professional writer. He's written for like Grey's Anatomy and The Resident and all that stuff. But he wrote a book called I Can't Save You. And it, it is absolutely, positively raw brilliant and very, very well done. Um, But let me tell you what I really like about the book. Tony went to to Harvard for college uh, before coming to medical school and he grew up in Brooklyn. He sort of grew up in these environments as a lonely, only star student black kid and describes a lot of complexities and take I mean he just takes the whole gloves off and just is scrapping in the street telling you about what it's like to be a black man in the ivory. But also he really digs deep on some some issues of mental health. So I, I will give people a trigger warning. There's some references to self-harm and very dark feelings, but I think it's things that people have experienced and it doesn't stay it moves so i just thought it was really real and um, i I personally love tony that's my disclaimer but i would not be telling people to read his
0: book if i did not think (laughs) we know how seriously you take your book recommendations particularly uh the audiobooks oh yeah
1: oh yeah because when i saw that he was reading it himself i was like oh shit. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. You got any recommendations for us?
0: I am in the midst of uh, Gabor Mate's uh, "The Myth of Normal," mm-hmm. talking about you know trauma and you know being in a toxic cultural environment, and you know it's a slog. It's a five, like at least five hundred pages, but I am actually really, really leaning into this novel. I, I heard his interview first on the Nocturnist, of course, with Emily Silverman. You know, he just is reframing my my entire mindset around how we think about disease and how we treat disease and how we think about medicine and the ways in which it sometimes stands in opposition to innate ways of naturally healing ourselves and the need to be in community and the need to be in environments that sustain our ability to maintain health and well-being. Particularly if you are someone who practices medicine, I think this is an important perspective to hear. And you know, I'm I'm way behind on uh, Dr. Matea's many works, but I'm, I'm catching up, and I'm really here for what he's saying. Now, you know, the important question I have about a 500-word, 500 500-page 500 <laughs> book is what? What is that? Is it on Audible? I'm sure it's on there. It's a really popular book. I don't know who's reading it though. So
1: okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. Like, I I, I don't mind a long listen.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I
1: actually like holding books in my hand. The issue is really just that I got too much stuff to do. So
0: I had to fold laundry, walk the dog. So I
1: got to be able to do things at the same
0: time. That's fair. I, I wish I could. I'm just, I'm not a good auditory listener. Like I'll get distracted and have to rewind. It's just, you know, I need tactile and visual sensation to really digest things. And- Said the woman who co-hosts the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the woman who like does not listen to the podcast afterwards. So. <laughs> i listen to it. Thank you. All right. All
1: right. Well, cool, 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 cool. All right. I won't say anything about your hair because it's really beautiful. <laughs> it's oh, well. all good. Yeah, you know, I, I was waiting for it. And- y'all, y'all, it is it is spectacular. It is really, really I mean, Mahalia, she took this break and she did some like, I don't know what you did with her, but honey, she is living her very best life.
0: Yes. Mahalia is out and loud and proud. And so for folks who might be at S-Gym next week, uh, you'll get to see the two of us. That's right. All of us, we're just going to be walking on ar- locked arms <laughs> down the hallway,
1: daring you to, daring you to walk up and touch our hair.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Side note, please do not do that. <laughs> You know, the reason why we are here and all of our listeners are so excited that we are back with this new season is because we are kickstarting things with Dr. Manning telling the story. (laughs) I mean, I wish you guys could see my face right now because I have been starved for this wisdom for way too long. And so, and I know that many folks feel the exact same way. That's really just your way of saying you glad it's not you today. I mean, that is embedded within that, <laughs> yes, but everything else still stands on its own. So uh, Okay, um, I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, sis, for our first episode of this season, what is the what? Sis, the what is grace. Grace, okay. Have we
1: ever used that word, grace? I don't think so.
0: I'm fairly certain we have never used that word.
1: So... um, you know, we are in the season of the academic meetings. You made a reference to SGIM and um, I'm going to take you back a few years. Um, During the academic meeting season and I had submitted a workshop that I was extremely proud of, by the way, um, to Academic Internal Medicine Week, and it had been accepted. And I had actually never been to Academic Internal Medicine Week out of town. I think once it was in Atlanta and I went, Mm -hmm. Um, but um that is a meeting that is made up of a lot of people who work in leadership roles in residency programs um in clerkships so it's where they do the clerkship directors in internal medicine the american program directors in internal medicine it's a really good meeting um the academic alliance of internal medicine so shout out to them yeah so i got this workshop accepted and um the conference was going to be in San Antonio, Texas. And I had never been to San Antonio, Texas, actually at this point. Mm. Heard good things about it, was really psyched. And one thing you know about me is, I really try not to go anywhere alone when it comes to um, an academic pursuit. I try to think about who could I bring along with me that could use this experience? Because I had presented at national meetings before this one, just not this particular one. And so I had decided that I would um, invite um one of my colleagues who's junior to me from morehouse school of medicine who works with me at grady but who was significantly more junior than to me to to join me
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um along with another near peer from emory and um we had met and worked on this workshop and this workshop was actually a really cool workshop it was um called bringing your q a game it was about how to answer questions after a lecture it was Mm -hmm. dope it was dope as somebody who is getting ready to present with me very soon at SGIM, you know that half the time it's my harebrained scheme of an idea that it would be ideal for me to be physically there for it to be pulled off, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of my idea. So <laughs> yes, anyway, we meet, we we do a pilot of it with um, trainees at Emory. It goes well. My colleague Khadija from Morehouse, she was actually fairly nervous about it because she had never presented at a national meeting, but we had it wrapped tight we had good handouts all this stuff we were good to go our talk was going to be on a monday morning um, at 9 a.m in san antonio i did whatever things i needed to do around atlanta over the weekend and on that sunday hustling around with the kids and everything and finally get my stuff together i'm only going for like a day and a half so i don't even have a bag to, to check and as i'm getting to the airport i'm just surprised at how incredibly crowded it is and I have been navigating Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson <laughs> Airport for a minute. Like, so I I generally do know how to get through that airport, but I get there and I was like, wow, it is a lot of people up in here. And I just didn't really know why. I was like, what? I mean, is Beyonce here? Is Taylor <laughs> Swift here? Or what is going on? I see somebody walk by me and they have something on that looks like it was like spring break related. And I was like, oh, shoot, are people getting back from their spring breaks right now? Oh, or, mm-hmm. And heading out to spring? Oh, Lord. So i'm like okay i have about an hour and 10 minutes to my flight i should still be good but when i start to walk up i see the line i see this line that was coming way back out of the like wrapping line of security that was Mm. down the hall and i was like what is this line and they're like girl the security check line is so long that it's all the way out here now i'm gonna give you a quick sidebar and it the sidebar is that back then i did not have any of the things that let you get ahead in line. I didn't have TSA, I didn't have clear, I didn't have no kind of priority, nothing. Because, and I blame this on my friend Shanta Zimmer. um, Shanta was like, I mean, it's actually probably elitist of us to just pay money to be able to skip people in line. So I kind of embraced that and was like, I'm not getting no clear or no TSA pre-check. But on this day, I needed clear or TSA pre-check because, As I eke through that line and I am like all almost to the front, it is the point where my flight is boarding and they're about to close the door. And, and, you know, at this point, you know, my my flight was a flight that was at like, I don't know, like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I was like, the worst that could happen is I'm just going to have to get on the 4.30 flight. Mm -hmm. This is Atlanta. This is Delta Airlines. Come on, i gonna be able to get there. So I get through. And as soon as I get through, I go over to the little help desk at Delta Airlines. And I'm like, yo, so this is what happened. They're like, okay, well, we can put you on the 430 flight. But what we'll tell you is that that flight is full. And, um, you know, you'll be put on the list. And I was like, okay, what if I don't make that flight? They're like, oh, they'll put you on the 630 flight. I said, is that full? And she says, yes, that's full too. I said, well, damn. Okay. Well, that ain't good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I said, is there a flight after that? And she says, there's a nine o'clock flight, 9 PM flight. And I said, is that one full? She said, it's full and it's oversold. So your best bet is to get on this 630 flight. Okay. And I'm like, okay, do y'all have any early morning flights to San Antonio? She said to San Antonio? No, we have a flight that gets to San Antonio at 9 30 AM. I said, Oh no, that's not going to work. I have to be there by nine. I have to physically be ready to give my talk at night. And that lady's looking at me like, I don't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> what <are you> talking <laughs> me? So I walk into the airport and at the gate is Khadijah, my junior colleague who is sitting at this desk with a set of index cards.
0: Oh. practicing
1: what she's going to say because you know again she had never presented at a national meeting and she just khadijah's a preparer you know mm-hmm. and she was you know she's like i'm nervous but i'm really excited and i was like i got some bad news sis i have missed my flight so i'm gonna have to try to get on the next flight she was like okay so what time do you think you're going to get there i was like oh i'm probably going to get there later but she's like okay um i said unless they call for me to get on this one so hopefully we'll we'll see everybody you know from emory's walking by hey kimberly what you doing <laughs> So the flight goes off, the door closes. None of the people that are for standby make on the flight. That includes me. Mm -hmm. So I stay at the same gate. And sure enough, that six o'clock flight, same thing happens. And that was the one that the lady told me I needed to get on. And she told me I wasn't going to get on that nine o'clock flight. She's like, that flight's over full. It ain't no way. So I'm at the front and I'm talking to the lady as the six o'clock flight is about to go off. And I'm like... So I just want to make absolutely sure, And she's like, first of all, you like eighth in line on this standby list. So even if we did let somebody on, it was not going to be you. Mm. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) So then I sit to the side and I start trying to look at other airlines to see how I can get myself to San Antonio, even if I have to pay. Mm -hmm. No other flights going to San Antonio. Oh my God so when the flight gets ready the flight leaves and everybody leaves out of the area including the standby people i'm just sitting there and i am just like oh my god i have really effed this up i am actually getting ready to have to call my two colleagues and say i'm not going to be there i can't even get there and let me tell you why i'm not there because i just missed my flight 'Cause everybody else had to get through the Atlanta airport. What was it about me that Mm. so I am just sitting there like, Oh my God, you know, but you know what? I was just like, Okay, it's my fault. I have to be accountable for it. So I walk over to the front desk and I tell the lady at the front desk and I say, Hey, I said, Let me ask you a question. What you think I should do? And she's like, Okay. This is a different lady now. This Mm -hmm. wasn't the first lady. Yeah. She says Okay, as she's putting her purse on because she's done. <laughs> <laughs> I say, um, so I was supposed to be on a three o'clock flight, and I missed that flight. I got put on standby for the 4.30 flight. That flight, I didn't get on. And then I was standing by for the six o'clock flight, which I did not get on. Um, I am told that the nine o'clock flight is over full, and that it is very, very unlikely for me to get on this flight. The problem is that's the only other flight that will get me to San Antonio to give my talk. And so I'm trying to figure out, do I just go home, mm. lick my wounds and cut my losses? Or should I stick around and see if there's any chance I end up getting pulled off of the um, the list? She looked at the list. She says, there's like 15 people standing by and that flight is nah. she said, it, it's not looking good for you. Mm. And I was like, okay, I appreciate that, you know. And I was like, damn. And like my eyes were welling up with tears more for Khadijah. Yeah. Because she looked so panicked um when I was saying that I didn't know what was up with my flight, that she she was looking like, no, no, you need to have your ass there. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was a black woman that was talking to me and she was like, so what was you going to San Antonio for, like a wedding or something? I said no, 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 it's nothing like that. I said, you know, I'm a physician. I work at Emory. I'm, I teach, and I'm supposed to teach at a conference, basically. And it's got my name on it in a program. And I'm just embarrassed more than anything. I was like, I just, I, I don't know what I was thinking. She was like, yeah, girls, all the um, spring break people. I was like, I know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, mm-hmm. and you know, I just can't get there. And I'm, and I'm just trying to let that sink in. I'm just, I'm so mad at myself. Mm. And She was like, wow. She said, so is this like a um, predominantly black um, environment you're going to be in? You were going to be in? I said, no, that's the part that's really messed up. And you know, I I brought along somebody to present with me who already is there, who um, is a black woman who's junior to me and like, yeah, I just, it was not cool. And she was like, damn, I was like, yeah, she said, so what is going to happen if you're not there? I was like, I mean, they're going to probably have to give the workshop without me. But, um, you know, like they're going to have to re, re, re-plan everything before 9 a.m., which sucks, you know? And she was mm-hmm. like, hey. So she just keeps talking to me and everything and she's just like, yeah, she's like, has anything like this ever happened to you? She's like, you know, I said I missed a flight before, but not like this. So we just, I, I really wasn't asking for anything. I wasn't like, can you hook me up? I wasn't nothing. I was just more, honestly, I just needed somebody to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I needed to process for a minute and I was even too embarrassed to call a colleague. I was just like, She was like, Dang, sis, you know. She was like, So, um, you know, but the other woman is black. I was like, Yeah, you know, she's gonna do fine. It's just I was like, Oh man. So we just standing there and I was like, She said, Did you check a bag? I was like, No, I didn't check a bag, so I could just roll on out of here. I say, Yeah, but yeah, I'm a I said, I guess I'm going to have to give me some TSA pre-check and stuff in the future (laughs) because we laughed about that. And then um, she's just staring at me for a minute and then she reaches under the counter and she hands me this piece of paper and she's like, I need you to do something for me. And I said, what's that? She said, nothing. Don't you react. Don't you scream. Don't you pump your fist. Don't do nothing. You just stand here like nothing is happening and i was like okay and the paper says seat assigned at gate and i was like what is this mm-hmm. and she was like i can't have a black woman's name be in a book and a program and have them talking about where she at and they just say oh she missed her flight because mm-hmm. she was trifling and i said wait what does this mean she's like i told you don't react and i'm like okay now like literally i'm already starting to cry because i'm realizing that (laughs) this woman is about to like wow she was like um you're gonna be on the flight they're gonna give you a seat at the gate and i was like but she's like don't ask me nothing just you just go over there and you and you get on that flight and you better do a great job and she said here's what else i need you to do she said because if you're so busy that you thought you was going to come to the Atlanta-Hartsfield-Jackson airport one hour and 20 minutes before your flight and get on a flight. She said, "Go on to get you some, some TSA pre-check and some clear. You'll be mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And um, it, sh- it was just grace for no reason, mm. for no reason. Because I had told her, she asked me, why did I miss my flight? And I told her that I was bullshitting. I was like, I was at home bullshitting and thought I had more time than I had. And I didn't. And that is exactly what happened. I said, that's the worst part about this. And and this is when I thought nothing was going to happen. I was like, the worst part about this is that this is just my fault. (laughs) i get it. I don't even have an excuse. And um, she just looked out for no reason. Our workshop went really great. Um, But I never forgot that. Like, I never forgot that. Also, I have, I, I get to the airport a lot earlier now.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I also have all the accoutrement to get through the airport. But yeah, um, so shout out to Sis who was putting her purse on her shoulder, getting ready to go. Yeah, um, I I have no idea how she got me on that flight. I do not know. Yeah, but um, she told me that somebody somebody behind the counter always has the ability to do something Yep, she said you just they just have to decide what what the stakes are
0: mm. i was like damn
1: yeah. so yeah i mean that made me anxious just telling you about it because <laughs> i was trying to pick because all of my colleagues that work with me were at this meeting and were anticipating our workshop i mean i'm trying to come down
0: from the stress too just hearing like, the, the viscerality of, like, being in the security line and realizing, like, you know, that the clock is ticking and that feeling when you know, like, you know, you're getting closer and closer. um, And also, as someone who has taken my share of standby flights, I know what it is like to stand by and watch your flight take off without you, like, as everybody else is getting on. Yeah. Um, And the people behind the check-in counter, like it is very much hit or miss. And I will say like racial concordance are not, some people are not trying to hear not two words out of you about your sob story and what you got to do. And I get it. Like they endure a lot of abuse, especially, you know, Mm -hmm. in these last couple of years, but it is true that there is some power and maneuvering there and the choice to do so when you don't have to like. No. And the thing is that, she
1: said to me she she said to me before she left she said, uh, you were just talking to me, you didn't you weren't asking me for anything, and that made me want to help you wow, she's like, yeah you you and she said when I asked you why you missed your flight, you said it's because you was bullshitting <laughs> <laughs> and we both laughed about it and yeah. i i just i'm like, man, um, and i'm and you know I, I'm just you know, my, that that, um, that junior colleague, she has since been promoted to a senior rank. She is presented at more national meetings. And um, it just, you know, it just made me, and she didn't let me all the way off the hook. She just told me, like, you're going to have to be realistic about, you know, what your needs are if you're getting ready to do something. But also, you know, you're just going to have to do better, sis. Yeah. And I was like, damn, she told me to do better. Mm. And this woman was easily probably 10 or 12 years younger than me. Wow. <laughs> um, but she, she just made up her mind to,
0: to hook your girl up. Yeah. And I'm so glad she did, man. I love it. And, and grace is, you know, it's, it's generative. Like I can't imagine being in a position like that where someone extends you grace and you don't feel compelled to do that for someone else. I mean, hopefully, yeah. that's the the outcome. Whenever you have the chance to do so, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That was uh, and and you know when you were talking about the security check line, you know the thing is when I was in the security check line about to miss my flight, it did not occur to me that mm. I would not get to San Antonio. Right. So <clears throat> I was more annoyed. I was like, oh man, shoot! And and I remember calling um, Stacy Higgins. Um, and she was like, girl, you don't have pre-check. <laughs> I was like, no, it's a long story.
0: <laughs> well, we already uh, know it's Shanta's fault. You've uh, established so that.
1: I need to ask Shanta if she has a uh, pre-check now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Shanta, you don't have to answer that because I know you listen to this podcast. Oh, yes. But yeah, you know, I just, I, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that... Um, there is so much, um, so many opportunities that we have in our world to extend a little grace to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Right? It's like, she could have shamed me, you know, and she didn't. And I don't think that she immediately made up her mind to help me. I think at first she was just talking to me. But even in that space before she agreed to help me, she could have shamed me. She could have just blown me off or been like, sucks to be you. And she was getting ready to go too. Like I was holding her up and, Mm -hmm. um, it just made me think a little bit more about how, okay, I need to pay that forward to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to not kick somebody while they're down, Yes, even if they screwed up. And even if it's their fault, yes, I could actually give you a little bit of
0: grace with a dash of mercy on top. Yeah, You know, it reminds me, um, we actually talked about this on the podcast the uh in the last season i had been driving and my car got hit um and it was the fault of another driver and i remember like actively making the decision to be kind even though i was so frustrated mm-hmm. and upset and it, you know it didn't even really occur to me like afterwards just in terms of framing it as grace in that moment until The driver sent me a message about a week later and was just like, you have no idea what it meant to me for you to be so kind and understanding. Mm. And it made me feel so good in that moment. Mm. And, uh, you know, to think about the frustrations of having to get your car fixed and all this other stuff, it was just like, at least I had an opportunity to do that for someone. And it fed my soul at the same time. And it's just like, it is of benefit to you when you have that opportunity and to see it as an opportunity to be kind when you don't have to be. Mm. And that's a word right there,
1: because that's really what the, the whole key to extending grace to somebody is, is that what you don't realize is that it has a boomerang effect mm-hmm. and comes back to you and blesses you. And, and even um, in, in keeping with that whole idea of controlling what you can control, which is mm-hmm. you, right? Yeah, um, exactly marriage and long-term relationships call for a lot of grace mm-hmm. a lot of grace but what you don't realize until later is that it, it actually is is what's keeping you there It's yeah. what's nourishing you Oof. yeah oh man that's a word sis it's a word man yeah so shout out to uh my little sister at the uh delta airlines counter with the um comfortable flats on that she has slid her foot into <laughs> <laughs> um, and for helping you girl go and do some
0: important work yes, yes. And uh, shout out to the TSA Precheck check It has saved my life more than once. Yep, yep, yep. See, there
1: you go. You know, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not judging you if you got all of the stuff to get on through there. Just no shame you know, in the game. No shame in the game, sis. As a person who don't have time to get there four hours early. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, girl. Well, um, I do love you, and um, I love this hair of yours. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I will get to see you IRL very soon.
0: So I'm kind of pumped about that. I am super hype. So, all right. Well, I'm so excited to be back on the mic. Um, more Mm -hmm. good words to come. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you have the best day and the best week. Yes.
1: And shout out to the Mannings on our, uh, the establishment of Team Manning on this day in 2004.
0: Yes. I hope y'all do some more, more than laundry today, but if not, <laughs> uh, <laughs> do good you. luck with that. <laughs> All right, girl. Love you. I love you too. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast.
1: Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats, Shout out to the Dr. Ashley
0: McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers. Our Med Twitter fam. And especially, shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see
1: you and you are enough.
0: Holla. Holla!